If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, July 30th, 2014, post-Comic-Con edition alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy-do. I am Pat Contra. We are your party hosts for this podcast. We got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Talk about uh, Comic-Con, what we did at Comic-Con. We're talking about the Microsoft layoffs that just happened. We're talking about uh, Wonder Woman picture of Gal Gadot revealed for the world from Batman vs. Superman. We're talking about the EA Xbox One subscription service that just uh, has been announced coming out. Uh, Deadpool movie test footage has just been leaked from a few years back. Uh, Pat's GameStop uh, experience. What's up with Pat's hair? And your Q&A that we pre-select. So Ian, how's everything going? It's going to be a Pat-heavy episode. It should Uh, be. Everything is going uh, lovely. I I sent out the first half of my wedding invites this morning. Very nice. I have... Uh, one half of 100 pounds off my shoulders, so not uh, 50 pounds. That's 50, 50 pounds of 50, invitations? 50 pounds of weight off my shoulders. It's not 50 pounds. Proverbial. I was going to say, metaphorical. 50 pounds would be like eight, 850 guests at least, or, yeah. or more than that. It would probably be like 1,600 guests. Very cool art design done. Thank you. Like yeah. It was like the sixth. If you if you remember, if you read any comics from, like I'd say, the mid-60s to late 70s, you would see like in the back of the comics advertisements for like if you sold greeting cards... Or like plant, uh, seedling plants, or you know, plant seeds. You can mail away points to get prizes, whether they were army men, you know, or or help me out here, like kites, you know, uh, X-ray, gl- X-ray glasses. Sure. So what what we did was is we had um, our friend uh, Cena Grace, who is a comic book artist for Burn the Orphanage and uh, Little Depressed Boy and Not My Bag, and he did a picture of Vani and I, and um, our friend Sean Struble. Um, who is a writer and colorist for Little Depressed Boy, graphic designed this whole awesome invite, and it looks like one of those back pages from the comics. And instead of things that you could buy, like the normal things, it's all of like mine and Vani's favorite things. And uh, the style is perfect, and uh, I was just so happy with how they turned out that even people who can't go, I'm sending one to, like, that are friends of mine, because I just want them to, you know, see it and have one. Yeah, I want to frame that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that those are out. Comic-Con was a blast. We had a lot of guests in town, and I'm still recovering. I'll probably be recovering for the next couple of days, but, uh, no, life has been all right. What did you do at Comic-Con? Well, I, I, I ran into two. We hung out for like a total of like an hour over the four days. I felt like it was more like 30 seconds. Probably. So are we, are we doing our Comic-Con recap? Is that what we're doing? Yes, Ian, that was my natural segue before you pointed it out. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay. I just didn't know, you know, we, 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 how, we, how, how deep we needed yes. to get into this. We did this for a year. You still don't see my is, nice, is, smooth is, transitions is yet. Cut. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, what did I do? I bought a shitload of books. I bought 35 give or take trade paperbacks. 35. 35. Now, that, now that's 50 pounds. That's a lot of books. Um, coolish stuff on the list that I'm happy that I got. I got uh, the first six volumes of the Gundam Origins manga, which Vertical is publishing. Got all the Courtney Crumrin books, which are really fun to read. Got some small press stuff. 
probably wouldn't qualify as trade. Uh, tons of Judge Dredd stuff. Um, you love that Dredd. Yeah, 2000 AD gets money from me in bucket loads every year, and I bought four anthologies and then probably like six trades from them easily. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was a spendy year, but... Uh, well, you spent a lot last year, I thought. I did, but more this year. But I don't feel bad about it because I just save up all year for Comic-Con. It's when I buy my year's worth of reading material. I get my, you know, the books that I read monthly or every once in a while I get trades through, you know, Vani's store. And I do get some books monthly like Hawkeye. But, you know, stuff like uh, the Oni Press stuff, Vani can order it in, but I can get a deal on it. Or it's it's just, it's... The money's set aside. It's, it's, it's less guilt-free. I don't have to worry for it. I can just go in July, buy it all, and take it home and read it throughout the year. Sure. So, um, well, I had a guest in town, uh, Mr. James Rolfe. Yes. We uh, we did the screening. The second screening, the first premiere was, what was that, the 21st in L.A., so it was the 24th in San Diego at the Reading Gas Lamp. That Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. it started. What a clusterfuck, just because the theater... Um, they didn't remember any of the instructions I gave them months back. So I walk in and said, okay, we need the table here. We need chairs here for the volunteers, microphone, blah, blah, blah. They're looking at me like I was crazy. Like I'd never spoken as if I never had the place booked. Right. You know? So, so basically it was a lot of tense situation because half the volunteers didn't show up. You know, here's the thing about me. If you're going to say you're going to do something, follow through with it. Especially after I reconfirm with people to say, Hey, you're going to, you're going to show to volunteer oh yeah we'll be there i think right. six or seven volunteers said they're going to be there and we only got three that showed up and thank you so much to uh hector millhouse and uh, stephanie for actually showing up and helping out and then we got pixel dan was, was helping with the line outside otherwise i, I would know what would have occurred right so um good thing i booked the extra you know extra people to come or else we would have been screwed so thanks to them and uh the the actual showing went off pretty well and then afterwards there was a line. If you've ever been to the Reading Gap, it's like three floors and there's staircases left and right. It's very nice. It looks like a very old theater, how it's designed. Uh, but I don't think it is. It's just... Um... So anyway, so James had an autograph session upstairs and almost every single person, and we're talking, you know, 400 people that came to see it and it was sold out, stayed for autographs. So the line, I had to organize the line. Of course, people working in the Reading Gap didn't really help organize the line. I had to do it. I was actively preventing a fire hazard wrapping the line <laughs> up and down and away from leaving one set of stairs open so people can get out. And it went fine. It was only about an hour and a half to get work through, you know, whatever it was, 350, 400 people that, that stayed. Um, so that was fun. And then hanging with Frank is always fun. I didn't record anything this year. In the past, I would record daily recap videos or just even Frank hanging out. I just didn't have the energy. Sure. After Con Bravo. I'll go into the Con Bravo bit. Con Bravo w- was fun. I, I had two panels. There a collecting panel, my own panel. Um, what was cool about my panel at Con Bravo was that the Play the Punk Challenge, there was an ice hockey challenge, and we're in Canada. I didn't even cross my mind. So I picked out this, this, this kid raised his hand. He's like, oh, anxious. He's probably like 15 years old. We play ice hockey, and of course it's Canada versus USA. Crowds going nuts. And it's a smaller <laughs> room. There's only maybe 60 people in the room, but they're all going, they're chanting, you know, Canada, you know, Canada. And I destroyed the kid, not to give away too much. And <laughs> I was taunting the crowd while I was playing. It was fun. Hopefully the person that recorded my panel at Combravo sends me the footage. I can at least get that part of it up. Uh, it was fun. But no, Comic-Con was good, too. I, had, I hung out with Andre uh, Black Nerd on YouTube. He's, he's pretty big on YouTube. Really nice guy. We hung out for a few hours on uh, Sunday. And then, uh, yeah, I bought a couple of trade paperbacks. I, brought, I bought the X-Men versus Fantastic Four slash Avengers, which were a couple different series that came out in, I believe, the late 80s. 
uh, early 90s. And then I also uh, bought, um, not Kingdom Come, I already had Kingdom Come. Uh, what was the other one I bought? Oh, The Captain. The arc, yeah. the arc from about, I want to say, 87. A really good arc where uh, basically he gets fired, Captain America gets fired by the president because he's not going to follow orders. So they bring in the guy who would become the U.S. agent. And he takes over as Captain America for like one or two years it was. He took over. And so Captain America was U.S. agent at first, doing stuff on the side, I believe. I never read all of it. All I know as a kid is I remember having an issue here or there. So this, it's a collected uh, collection of stories. It's like it's like really thick. It's like two to two and a half to three inches thick. It's, it's, it's like it has to be two years of comics it's, in there. It's probably yeah. I was gonna. Well, I looked at it and it looked like maybe twelve issues in an annual, or maybe yeah, twenty four issues in two annuals. It's, a, it's big. So I'm I'm excited about that. And here we are back doing the podcast. Yay! Yay! So we're both we're both exhausted. Both exhausted. Besides everything hot. else going on, but. We, we love the podcast. We, we do. We love you who love the podcast. It's an anchor in my life. Every <laughs> every two weeks. It, it's been 11 months. Yeah. We're doing this. It was August 26th last year. How cute. What are we going to do when we celebrate our anniversary? We have, have a burrito. A burrito. <laughs> Shirtless burrito. Pop, pop, <laughs> pop a little bubbly. Let's talk about... Uh, this, is, this, this isn't a huge deal, but on the outset, it has to do with... Uh, layoffs are always unfortunate in any industry. In any merger. I always say... Um, and any merger in the history of the planet Earth has never resulted in more jobs. There's always been less jobs. So Microsoft just laid it all out, laid off almost 13,000 people out of a planned 18,000 because they recently acquired Nokia. Remember, they still make phones? They're bigger around the world, not in the U.S. Yeah, anymore. no, I know. And I don't want to say it's not a big deal because it's the largest, it's the single largest amount of layoffs Microsoft has ever put down at once. Put down like a dog. Yeah, um, it's it, and I I feel like it's 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 indicative of a company that is bringing something on and isn't entirely sure what they're necessarily going to do with it yet. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of redundancy when you're bringing over an entire mobile sure. division. But I just my question. I don't know why Microsoft is so adamant about a mobile division. It has not worked for them ever. Do you think they want to put out their own phone, like how Google has their own phone, and Windows ha- had a phone that no one bought? Well, they did, yeah. yeah. The Windows 7 phone, and, ever, and everyone hated it. So it's just their way of getting back in the game? <laughs> and they had, this, they had a Zoom, and, and the Zoom failed miserably, and I just don't, I don't know what they're chasing with this. I don't know if they're hoping that third time's the charm, but that's a lot of layoffs, and that's a scary number, and my heart goes out to all the people who lost their jobs. And like you said, of course, during a merger, there's going to be layoffs. But I mean, that's I don't, a ch- big chunk, though. Yeah, it's a huge chunk, and I don't really have an angle to come at with this because this really isn't. I don't think this really says anything about the games division. It, but Microsoft itself has been in a weird place lately, getting rid of their their studio, which was completely useless in the first place. We'll get to that in a second. But they they got rid of that. And now they're bringing on the Nokia side, and then they're laying off a bunch of people. I mean, Microsoft from the outside, at least from the very outside, it looks like a, a company that is on very choppy water. Doesn't know what they're basically. They don't know what direction they're going. Yeah, exactly. They have no idea, and um, it's not good. I mean, not for not for anyone else who's working. I can't imagine that anyone who's working there that missed this round of layoffs is feeling particularly fucking secure. Because it's only one other false. Or not false, failed a new failed phone from Nokia. They can say screw it. We'll, we'll, we'll axe more people. Right. 
And that puts Nokia on precarious ground. I don't know Nokia was in. Well, they sold, well they sold it for seven and a half billion, which is not a small number. No, but we, you always you always think of Nokia as like the big one of the big original cell phone uh, makers back in the late nineties. <laughs> the interchangeable faceplates that you get from all exactly. Kiosks. But you go overseas. Like I was in India. What was that? It wasn't recent. Two thousand eight. I was in India. Like like all all the old phone companies that aren't big here are always big in like those developing nations. Sure, they always have it. Like like. Uh, like what's a TV company? Uh, LG. No one has an LG TV in the U.S. No. You, you go overseas, they're huge. That's like the, that's bigger than Sony in these other countries, in some of these developing countries. Um. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, if there's going to be a new a new phone from Microsoft, I mean, why else would they buy this company? I don't know the ins and outs of this that much. So, doesn't mean that there's going to be uh, Xbox isn't going anywhere. I don't think, but <laughs> it's never good. That's a big risk, seven and a half billion dollars. Yeah, big risk. Now, I'm but, not one that's I'm not one that subscribes to the uh, whole you know a system's going to disappear in the middle of its lifespan thing. Sure. I don't think so. I think they're going to work what they can to get out of it. Um, anyone who says Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo is dead, you know, uh, two years into uh, a console release no. is, uh, is 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 talking out their ass because that's what they want to see happen. But does this bode well for future things that Microsoft might want to do well, in the video game industry? No, probably. I mean, maybe it, not. And maybe we don't know. You, it'll take less risks, obviously. Yeah. Yes, because you've all this money, seven and a half billion. A risks dollars. like making a connect necessary and motion sensing and, and, and a TV studio and all that crap. Well, let's talk about let's talk about it. We'll segue a pat segue into the Xbox Studios. I saw an early screening at Comic Con of the Atari Game Over documentary, which is going to be the first of several documentaries that are planned to be released. Now it's going to be the only one because they shut down the studios before it can get started, really. But they're going to allow this one to come out because it's basically finished. So the weird thing about this was that on Thursday night at Comic-Con at the Reading Gas Lamp, we screened the ABGN movie, which, it's not spoilers, a large part of the movie is about E.T. and the Atari landfill. The very next day, we're back at the same theater watching the documentary, and me and, me and James were like, wow, this is kind of weird. We had no idea they are going to be screening it. At the panel, they revealed, yeah, in four hours, we're going to be screening this. So we go there. The, the, the cool thing is that Chris Parnell from Saturday Night Live, who does the voice of, uh, one of the voices on Archer, he was there. And it's the first time I've ever randomly met a celebrity. <laughs> Frank has met Kevin Bacon, uh, Quentin Tarantino ra- uh, randomly. He basically knocked over Seth Green almost on Comic-Con for one year. He had a full conversation with the very hot Ros- Rosario Dawson. I've never met any celebrities. Uh, which, by the way, I've never even seen Frank talk to a celebrity. It's probably the funniest thing on earth, especially Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I would imagine that's humorous. Um, but um, Chris Parnell was there. And um, oh, I'm like, Chris Parnell. She's like, yeah, yeah, how you doing? You know, with his voice. And I'm like... You're a fan of video games. He's like, oh, no, I'm just uh, friends with the, with the director. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. He was totally honest uh, yeah. about it. Hey, at least he was honest about it and didn't to play it off like yeah. he was. But um, the documentary itself, on, if I maybe there, there'll be something with me and James talking about it, if you can click there. Um, I thought it was pretty well done. As I said in the review, not to rehash, the problem with this documentary is that, of course, everyone knows the landfill exists. Right. It's been documented. So it's not that they try to skirt around that, but they just sort of ignored it and try to play up the myth part of it more. But even within the first 15 minutes of the film, they're talking to the guy who physically witnessed it there in 83, who's now like, he's basically still in charge of like, basically, he basically even says I'm like a garbage expert. I like, how, the, I like the track where everything's in the landfills. How long was the documentary? 
it was probably and it was probably ninety eight percent done. All the effects were done. They had a lot of cool animation. No, but how long was it? Yeah, no, I'm just okay. I'm getting there. I'm okay. just trying to in my head work it out. It was probably be- between I'd say ninety and a hundred minutes. Okay, probably so if, if you're acknowledging that within the first fifteen minutes, I don't mind. I just I really dislike it even now when it's played up as being a myth. So if I mean if you've got the guy acknowledging it within the first fifteen minutes, the guy who saw it there and they're bringing yeah. him in, that's fine. The problem I, is there there wasn't a lot of answers to what actually occurred about right. the actual landfill because there was no solid number given for for how many games they found. Mm-hmm. They didn't say anything about the cement. Supposedly there was a cement cap. On, on this, at least part of it, and maybe where they dug there wasn't a cement cap. They did allude to the fact that there that Alamogordo was afraid that they would unleash something. They, they had mercury-laced pigs at this dump, supposedly. And they didn't say it, but from talking to other people like Mike Patey, that they're afraid, maybe afraid of getting at that by, and there was cement poured over, and that's where the, the games could have been. Either way, they got to some of the games, but they didn't say the exact amount. They did say less than 10% were actually ET. Which that sounds about right. Yeah. Because well, I said I said this in an interview with James. People don't understand that that was just one plant that closed down. That was a game just from one plant. That wasn't all the games from the U.S. Supposedly, according to Mike, Sunnyvale, there's a shit ton of more stuff buried in Sunnyvale where Atari's headquarters is. That but makes you, far more sense. But you can't get at it because they rebuilt over it, like like, like either a recycling plant or something else. That you just can't get at it, like a, like parks and stuff that they wouldn't probably ever allow it. That to me is the real story. What what millions? If there's millions of games, they're in Sunnyvale. They're not in El Magoro, right? New Mexico. Um, so it was it was entertaining because the centerpiece was Howard Scott Warshaw, who is infinitely a nice guy. Like he's the nicest guy you can possibly. He seems meet. super likable. Very likable. Um, I met him at the uh, AVGN video uh, shoot uh, out in the desert. It was, it was in California two years ago. Talked to him for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Very, very nice guy. Very affable. And he was nice enough to, to be interviewed by uh, Destin for the video game I was going to say, where did we get him for the video game years? Was it there? Yeah, Destin, uh, who they're both out in the San Francisco area, he interviewed him. Nice. Very nice guy, which is funny because in that interview, and we actually had this video game years talking about it, he, he didn't believe they were buried. He didn't believe that. He didn't believe that it would be cost-effective, a, a company that was dying in bankruptcy, to bury them. But as I said with, in, with, with James... That was really the only option. What do you do with hundreds, either tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of games that are worth, literally worthless stock? Retailers don't want them. They can't, they can't give away what they have. They already sent it back. You can't sell them directly to consumers. They don't want them. And what are you going to sell them for anyway? How are you going to set up that distribution anyway? Um, you probably don't want to keep them in... You don't want to pay the tons of money for warehouses to rent them, to keep them anyway, to store them. What else do you do with them? Well, that was always the biggest argument I had. The housing fees for what is garbage. And, yes. and what they always said was, um, you know, and what I always believe, because it's just a more sensible story, it wasn't all ET, and a lot of it was returns and defects and things that got sent back that they never disposed of appropriately. Sure. You know? So, yeah, it makes sense that uh, they would bury it or, or, or dispose yeah, of it. It's in a literally way. back because then. it's go- just costing them money to keep it around. It's literally garbage. That's yes. not like any hyperbole. It's garbage. No one wanted it. Yeah. You know, so that was all, their alternative. Just get rid of it. You're already bleeding money. You don't want to bleed more by storing it. That was their probably, I hate to say, that was it. Burying it was the cheapest, smartest thing to do at the time. Sure. So there you have it. That's going to come out in the fall, that documentary. Like I said, it was like 95% finished. Howard Scott Warshaw, probably if it wasn't for him, they would have had the documentary because the actual uh, process of going through, getting permission from the city to dig, the pre-dig excavation, that is so not interesting at all. 
the actual digs aren't interesting because they actually didn't show that much of it. You know, yeah. like, they basically showed all the spectators in the sideline, like looking, oh, did they find something? And then they dump it on the table or the game. Like that's not interesting at all. It that's really isn't. All that time. Yeah, the actual dig is the least interesting part. The interesting part is the story of the fastest growing company in American history falling off a cliff. Now, what I would have liked them to go into more was talking about Howard Scott Warshaw's his. What did he actually do in those five weeks? Yes. it was him. It was a guy who did some of the art and a guy who did the sound. That was it. Three man team working on a game in five weeks that he should, said probably should have taken six to eight months to complete. Usually the games took between six months and a year. He said, or yeah. eight or eight months to a year. So I want to know the, the stress level that he had in those time, and and his thought about was he going to be able to complete it? What did he sacrifice? Blah blah blah. So I don't want to give away too many spoilers. But it was it was emotional for him coming back, coming back to even Sunnyvale and seeing the original headquarters where he worked at. You know, basically, I think it's abandoned now, or I don't know, something else is there. But anyway, that's the documentary. I think it's worth it. But Xbox Studios, that's their first and final documentaries. They're closed down. Gone. Gone forever. Poor Xbox. Do you think we- Warner Brothers Studios is going to be gone next? <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not running well, are they, Ian? I think it's. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And why, pray tell, would you think that Warner Brothers might be going out of business? Oh, I don't know. It might just be these fucking DC movies that they're they're shitting out of their festering asshole. <laughs> um, so the image. You knew we were going to talk about this, ladies and gentlemen. The image for Wonder Woman came out. The Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. The Wonder Woman costume. And I've felt strongly about this the whole time. And I still feel strongly about this because Wonder Woman doesn't look anything like Wonder Woman. She has swords and uh, she has some brown leather with some red on it. And I have no idea what the fuck they're going for anymore. This movie doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's not Wonder Woman, in any, to my knowledge, in any way, shape, or form. She has a lasso, but it looks like it's gray or black. Well, that's because this movie has to be dark and edgy. <laughs> She has a tiara. Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. <laughs> it almost looks like those children's ones you give at parties. Um, here's my problem with the costume. Um, you have red and yellow on Superman's outfit, don't you? Do you have any yellow on the outfit at all? You have At least you have red and blue on the outfit. Yeah. That you you, there's no blue in this outfit that you can see. There's no yellow. There's none no. of the traditional colors. And maybe it's just because I'm colorblind, but the red is almost impossible to see. It's there. It's just really freaking dark. It's like burgundy almost. It looks like a superheroine from another movie. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. It's like Sucker Punch. It looks like an image from, right, right. from, from his Sucker Punch movie. Right. That movie set us all back 50 years. So I think the problem is this. Is that... With Superman, the outfit, was it 100% faithful? No, it was pretty faithful, though, even for Man of Steel. Right, it was well, pretty faithful. But let's, I mean, dude, outfits have never been 100% faithful in superhero movies. Yeah, they but, but they've been getting closer and closer. But they've been getting closer, and the stylized approach has always been fairly decent. Batman always looks, well, okay, let's forget about the 90s Batman movies. But, yes. but like, Burton's Batman... Um, and then the Batman and the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, those aren't super accurate, but they work out well. But Spider-Man's been pretty accurate, especially the newer ones. Spider-Man's been decent, and the uh, there's been some some tweaks to some of the Marvel Avengers. But they've and, been pretty close. And, and same with the X-Men movies, but they've been close. I'm okay with a little bit of artistic integrity. I have sure. no idea why Zack Snyder is so intent. At this point, it's just forced and funny how much he wants this to be something that it's not. Yeah, uh, I mean... Here's the thing. 
We know it's a comic book world. It's a comic book movie. We accept that. There's a little bit of uh, suspension of disbelief we're willing to give into. Sure. Hell, look at the Avengers movie. You had an alien invasion in New York City. Mm-hmm. We accepted that. That that probably can't happen. At the very same time, probably, probably, <laughs> probably it might in our lifetime. We'll, it probably won't. We'll see. But the but all the costumes. Captain America looked like Captain America from the comics for the most part. Sure. Iron Man looked like Iron Man. Hulk looked like Hulk. Thor looked like Thor, minus the helmet, which bothered me a little bit. But we we want to see superheroes from the comic books. Yeah. This is what always upsets Frank, and this is why Frank doesn't like seeing this stuff. He's like, you have the original story. It's good. There's a reason it's exi- existed for 50-plus years. Just do that story. Right. People will see it. Yeah. You're not going to turn off people if you had a Wonder Woman that was even close, close to the comics. Right. We're not saying it has to be exact. We're not saying it has to have the nineteen, you know, late nineteen thirties outfit. No one who would be interested in this movie in the first place is going to go. Oh no, that's too cheesy. It looks much like the original Wonder Woman. Outfit. Exactly. No one's going to say that. No one's going to say that. Not a fucking person. However, people who might be interested in the movie are going to look at this and be yeah. like, "Who the what the fuck is this shit?" Yes. I'm not even going to get. We, we talked about Gal Gadot in the past about how she was way too scrawny. I'm not even going to get on the girl. It's not her fault. That she's not even close to, to what well, is one was supposed to be like six one in the comics. Isn't she almost as tall as Superman? You I, know, I'm I'm done railing on Gal Gadot and retreading certain things we've already done. It's not. I mean, you know, okay, she got cast for it. She's trying to bulk up for it. I mean, yes, Wonder she Wonder, might Wonder, she Wonder, might put on like five pounds of muscle, but there's not only so much muscle a girl that originally weighs ninety five pounds can put on. Amazon, uh, Wonder Woman's an Amazon. They cast poorly. Fine, but then it's like you can you you can make steps to fix that. And the way to do that is give her a really good costume for her character, not give her the worst possible costume for her character. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like Warner Brothers has carte blanche to do whatever they want with these movies. They haven't built up any credit. No, you can't count the Dark Knight trilogy. That was all Christopher Nolan, and that has nothing to do with yeah. these movies. Well, this isn't like taking a risk. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is gonna make a mint, because you know why they're gonna make a mint because. Over six years of Marvel painstakingly putting out quality movies being their studios, the audience trusts the movie that they're going to see. They almost know they're going to see a movie with good action, good comedy. It's going to be well made. It's going to be well written. Just about all the Marvel Studios produced movies have been to this point. Yeah. None of them have been a flop. No. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I, I think about Zack Snyder, and I think about what a horrible human Plus being that, he is. Plus that, Snyder's not a good director. Well, no, he's not a good director, but he also can't, like we've said before, he, I, I don't, well, I've said before, he can't, he can't respectably do a female character. I, I feel like he has zero respect for women. And when you look at the Wonder Woman fiasco and just how it's progressed, I feel like this is Snyder purposely, purposely shitting on the concept of Wonder Woman. And if not that, it's certainly him using another female character as a fetish doll like he did in all of Sucker Punch. It's the only well, thing I can think of when I see a Wonder Woman clad in brown leather. Well, we you hope he wouldn't do that because obviously Wonder Woman's supposed to be a very strong... Yes, she's she is. The strongest, but, she's but, the strongest like, female superhero. But to Zack Snyder, I don't think he believes that there is anything such as. Well, we'll see. With Watchmen... We'll see? Really? We will? Well, you won't. You won't see the movie. <laughs> I'll probably see it. I'm, but I'm trying to think. sure I won't. I'm trying to think. With Silk Spectre 1 and 2 in Watchmen, well, the problem with that was, to his benefit or detriment, he was following source material to begin with. Here, he's not. He's 
going with something that's being made up for him or he's involved with. So that may be closer to the point that he might screw this up more. With Watchmen, he had to stick to the source material and put out an above-average movie that should have been a great movie, which to me shows what type of director he is because with that source material, it should have been a great movie. I know we differ on Watchmen, the quality, but it should have been a great movie. But we can both agree that he just lays around shitting in his mouth all day. So... (laughs) That's that's really all I have left to say on this So, we, we haven't seen the reveal of anyone else that's going to be in the movie. The rumored, I don't know if Robin's going to be in it. I have no idea if Green Lantern's going to be in this, supposedly. Well, you have you have the uh, the Cyborg guy's going to be in it. I keep calling him the Cyborg guy. Isn't he just Cyborg? Cyborg. He's just Cyborg. Cyborg guy. <laughs> that's what I'll call him. And who knows if the Flash will be in there, because they're doing the TV series. So... There you go, Gal Gadot. Good luck to her. It's nothing on her. There's only so much she can do. She should have. She should not have been cast in the first place. But the outfit looks absolutely horrendous. I don't, I don't know how much longer this douchebag is going to get directing jobs. Well, he'll probably do the Justice League movie after this, unless this only makes. Unless this does. Uh, if this does. If this does not do better, or at least as good as Man of Steel, which did not do great worldwide, not even close to most of the, of no. the Marvel movies. Who knows what they're going to do. I don't know. But they can't go backwards. They can't start off and have a, a good like six, seven-year plan like Marvel did. It's too late. They're trying to catch up to Marvel, and it's, it's absolutely too late. The fact that Guardians of the Freaking Galaxy is coming out, which is a B or C-grade book yeah. that a lot of people never even heard of. A person on the street never even heard of this book before. Right. The fact that that's going to come out and make a mint, and that you have all these Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman... Cyborg guy, maybe Green Lantern in the same movie, and it may not do as well. It's, that's troublesome. It, it's just cyborg. It's cyborg guy. It's just. It's okay. It's just <laughs> cyborg. Speaking of superhero movies, Deadpool. This was pretty, footage. pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Now this wasn't. Now this wasn't Marvel Studios. This is 20th Century Fox. Fox. 20th Century Fox owns the rights to all the mutants. That's why they produce the X Men movies. But thankfully, I've gotten back on track with the last two uh, ones. X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past was really, really good. Sure. We spoke about it. Yeah, fantastic. They're hopefully getting back on track here. Um, Deadpool is technically... He's a a mutant. He's not an X-Men character, but he's a mutant. So they own that right. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, for years, has wanted to do a Deadpool project. In X-Men Origins, which was horrific, he played uh, Wade... I forget his last name, uh, of Deadpool's character... Basically, as part of the the Weapon X whatever team in the beginning of the movie, and he had some quips. He didn't have the outfit because he wasn't all dis- disfigured yet, but he was good. He was good for what it was. And right. Ryan Reynolds always plays a good smartass, going way back to Van Wilder, oh, absolutely, and, and everything else. So, and he likes the comic. He wanted to do this. So for years, they've been wanting to get this off the ground. So apparently, three years ago, they did a two minute test footage that was partially live action, par- partially CG. It's online now. I'm, I'm, I'm even afraid to put it down here where you can view it while, we're, while you're watching this on YouTube. I'll probably put stills because I'm afraid it'll get taken off by 2025. Yeah, I, I was surprised I was able to watch it at 8.30 p.m. because it had already been ripped down uh, twice prior. I hope, I hope 20th Century Fox says, screw it, the reaction's good. Basically, what happens in it is, if you don't know uh, Deadpool, quick rundown. They call him the Merc with the Mouth. He is, by, I think, the only comic character I know that knows he's in a comic book. He constantly breaks the fourth wall. He always references that it's a comic book, and I guess the limitations of the comic, and just, he has fun with it. He's absolutely insane. He, um, he has the same healing factor as Wolverine does. He also has an adamantium uh, lace skeleton. So he's hard to kill. And he's just, he's just a goofy, violent character. So it would be, if they if it came to film, it would be a different superhero movie because of that alone. He'd be talking to the camera. 
and having, you know, violent, chopping people's limbs off and everything else. He uses katanas and guns. So in this two-minute clip, he it's exactly the tone of the character in comic. It right. is spot on for how a Deadpool movie in theory should be. What's sad is that you watch it, and I like Deadpool in there. Um, Deadpool is really good when you read Deadpool in, like, a one-shot, mm-hmm. because it's, it's funny and it's great, and it's a great way to pass time. Reading a whole Deadpool series, eh, there is such a thing as too much Deadpool. Anyways... Watching it, I thought it was actually pretty decent. And what, what, what I liked and what I think I read was what they wanted to do was test the timing of Ryan Reynolds and sure. basically his quips, his dialogue, his voice that he would use for it. And, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of roughly show what the action that they would intend to show would be. Yeah. But his timing was perfect. He nailed the character. I mean, I don't know that I've heard a voice actor in a game or, an, or anything else do him better. Like, he, he nailed it. Um, why was it put on hold? Because it's 20th Century Fox. Fox. Right. If it was Marvel Studios, they would have they came out with it. Yeah. That's the problem. And being that they keep producing X-Men movies, the rights for 20th Century Fox, I don't know if there's a year limit for everything going back to Marvel, but you have to make a movie like every three or four years to keep the rights, apparently, something like that. So, I don't know why. Hopefully, with the fervor from this clip, people say, holy shit, this is awesome. Hopefully, that will get a greenlit. Here's the problem, though. Ryan Reynolds is not a bankable lead actor, especially in comic movies. He failed with Green Lantern, which is a very mediocre film, and then R.I.P.D. Flop miserably a year ago. Yeah, so but... that that might. I'm just saying that's what's working. I'm, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. That at 20th Century Fox are probably like we can't go with him. But here's the thing though, Ryan Reynolds, he will you won't see him anyway. He'll just be the guy in the suit. And by the way, in 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 the clip, he was at it was actually a, a motion capture. Yes. He wasn't actually it, with the costume. Every, well, a lot of it was CG, but the C, he was the suit was CG'd. On and it looks fine. And this was three years ago, so yeah. and that was only test footage. So three years later, it'll probably look fantastic in a real movie. Well, but the thing is, is and I'm not even a, a massive Ryan Reynolds fan, but uh, I, to to come to his aid a little bit, um, no one expected the Green Lantern movie to be good. I'm not going to insult the Green Lantern, but once again, it's a case of DC has a tough time doing anything well with yeah. their characters. Two, R.I.P.D., another thing that no one knew anything about. Sure. It didn't flop because of Ryan Reynolds. It flopped because they tried to do an R.I.P.D. movie. Sure. I'm just saying. Wasn't, wasn't fucking uh, Bridges? Wasn't Bridges? Bridges? Right. Okay. I mean, if, if Bridges isn't enough to make someone go see, you know, get someone at least remotely interested in a comic book movie, I mean, it's not the lead actors. Sure. It's not them. Well, not- did, that, did that Wizard movie with Bridges come out yet? Did that one come out that was announced like two years ago? No. See, that's a bad, that's a bad, that's bad thing, because that one they probably keep pushing back because it's probably terrible. I saw, t- I saw, t- I think, test footage for that two years ago at Comic-Con or something, or I saw the trailer for that a year and a half ago. I don't think it ever came out. Yeah, I don't think so either. But Bridges isn't a bankable for a genre film either, overall. Tron Legacy didn't do total gangbusters. It did okay. It didn't, like, blow the roof off of anyone. No, but Bridges is respected. Yes, but that that doesn't get your movie a $100 million tentpole picture. But here's the thing, though. So 20th Century Fox is probably thinking, we don't know if this guy can do it. Maybe. Maybe. But here's the thing. They should give it a shot. Because now, again, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool is a lot more well-known than Guardians of the Galaxy. It's it's probably less, probably less um, risky because Guardians of the Galaxy is a space opera for the most part. Right. And this is just a like a violent Wolverine type character that's funny with slapstick humor. Like you, yeah. you, you, you get get that to a PG thirteen rating, and you have every yeah. high school. You get the teenagers going. in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. 
So we'll see what happens. Check out the clip before it's taken down by 20th Century Fox. But hell, if I was 20th Century Fox, I'd leave it up. It's it's hype. It's free. It's free advertising. Right, and it's a good gauge of whether or not they should actually fucking do something yeah. that they started in 2011. Rob Leafield uh, is or Leafeld. He he's proud of it, and he's a creator of the character. He's yeah. he's yes. like he also can't draw feet. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about that though. But the whole point is that he endorses it. Supposedly, the script is very accurate uh, to the character. So, if the creator of the character thinks it's good, that that's good enough for me to I get guess. the story going. Layfield, lay, that's Layfield's that's a whole other topic. That man is just garbage. That man is garbage. He can't draw. That's not everything, Ian. Right? <laughs> he can't draw. Yeah, now I gotta go back and look at my old X forces to see no, the feet. Seriously, well, no, you won't see them <laughs> because they're hidden in every panel. What do they draw? And when you do see like them, they are triangles. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. And everything has a pouch. Everything has tiny little pouches that you couldn't possibly hold anything in, except for maybe like a fun size box of Junior Mints. Cable has forty pouches on this his outfit. Ridiculous. Pretty... Anyways, whatever. Sorry, Rob. You're fine. I'm sure you're a good dad. He's a good person. Now, now, if we, now we, if he watches the CU podcast, he'll be upset. Have you ever seen his picture of Cap? His famous picture of Cap? No. No feet. No, no. Well, I'll show you the famous picture of Cap afterwards. We'll put it right here to end this segment on YouTube. All right. The picture of Cap in America. Wonderful. <laughs> Sounds good. You want to talk about the uh, Xbox uh, One subscription service that EA is going to have? Yeah, video games. Modern stuff. Uh, <laughs> all right. EA. Yeah. EA's coming out with a, a service for your Xbox One. $30 a year, you can get uh, EA games exclusively streamed to your system. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Exclusively streamed to your system. Um, I don't know. Right now, they're talking like FIFA, Madden, Battlefield, Battlefield and uh, there was like one other one that they had mentioned that wasn't like a, a sports game. And basically it was like $5 a month or $30 a year. And they would stream them to your, you know, it would be a separate streaming service. And I think the reason why they're doing it for only Xbox One is because I think Sony is probably against the idea of having multiple streaming services. I think they want everything to kind of fall under their PS Plus banner. Okay. To keep things simple. This sure, is, without having to buy an extra service. Yeah, this is what I don't like about it. You need the Xbox Gold, you need the EA thing, and then if, if, if Microsoft does any streaming service, that's three things you're going to be paying for to get all this. But anyway. Three things? Not just two? Well, Xbox just Gold two, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, if there's all these options, well, like, it should be under one roof. It seems like we know that Xbox One is lagging in sales. I don't know how far behind. I'm not checking. No, I don't, no, I don't care. But here's the thing. The only way I can see this backfiring is because, I mean, Xbox is the only system where you still have to pay for the online services. Nintendo, we you don't no, have to you do have that. No, you have to pay for PS4 now. You do the pay for PS4? Yeah, but it comes with it comes with plus, so you get the free games every you get the oh. fourth free games every month. Shows how much I know. Yeah, you've had to since PS4 got announced. So it's just, I, I, I find I think it's going to be tough for people. To, it's not a bad price if you're into the sports games. Like I'm trying to look at this completely well, from outside my head. If if you like the sports games, because see, this is what people have always wanted, right? Instead of buying a football game every year, instead of buying FIFA every year, instead of paying sixty bucks, why not just pay a subscription fee service but, and get it every year? Why would EA do this? Isn't aren't you devaluing your games by doing this? If you're saying, uh, basically, three or four of our games are only worth about five dollars or six dollars a piece, seven dollars a piece, 
aren't you losing money then? Or are they thinking that they're going to get a bunch of people that wouldn't normally go after these games to get the service? I'm not thinking. I'm thinking it's going to be the people that would have got these games anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm so, not signing up for the service to play three or four games I wouldn't play anyway. I'm not going to play Madden anyway, or I'm not going to play Battlefield Four. Why would I get it? Right. So the the the, the early infill on it is not something that is of any interest to me. I don't think the price is necessarily unreasonable, but with Netflix accounts and Hulu accounts and WWE Network accounts and all these different accounts, I think it's just one less monthly fee or one less login that people want to ha- are going to want to have to deal with, and they didn't make it sound particularly attractive. And they said that there would be certain games, or I believe, that would never be on that service. So you've you've already said that certain games would not qualify for the streaming service you're says, doing. Yeah, Titanfall is, is excluded from all EA Access features, it says. Right. So right there, you've already alienated part of your base. The only way I can see this working is if like these are games that are like a year old, they throw them on. And then you can play them a year later. And then maybe you wouldn't have bought it. Maybe, maybe they figure we're going to be losing out. Used game sales are not going to be getting anyway. So this is like to them their used sales way of getting it back. But at the at the, the way EA games drop in price, something a year later, something like a Mass Effect is is ten bucks. So you're saying it so would someone can go purpose. get someone can you know go get that physical copy and keep it on the shelves. They don't have to stream it. So I, I really don't know what they're trying to get with it. And to me, it just seems like a random idea the janitor had and was like how about we do this and you know they're like well you're going places kid and now now it's now, <laughs> now it's what a the thing hell is that? Oh, you're going places <laughs> you got the idea let's, let's get you in the office with the big guys um no i don't you I, have manager written all over your face <laughs> middle manager so i don't know um i think it's a pile of shit and i wouldn't pay for it there we beat around the short answer you don't want to play it yeah I don't. I don't want to subscribe to Madden or FIFA. I'll I'll buy the games. That You'll I buy want. if you want. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So this is gonna crash and burn. We're predicting on the CU podcast mm-hmm. on July thirtieth, two thousand fourteen. Yep. <laughs> won't won't make it a year. Let's talk about. Speaking of new games, I walked into a GameStop for the first time in <laughs> three or four years. When when did LA Noir come out? Was it two thousand ten or two thousand eleven? Yeah. Two thousand ten. Uh, t- 2010 or 9. You know, if 10, you didn't fucking 10. hem and haw on it, you could have bought a fucking copy of Mario Kart 8 from my store, asshole. Did you have the free download code? Every copy has a free download code. I had a code. GameStop gift card I had for two years. I had to use the damn thing. Me. What else am I going to buy at a GameStop? Their $40 used 360 Xbox 360 controllers? I'm going to do that? No. A sweet set of Turtle Beach name callers? I, I, whatever. They had through a whole Turtle, turtle Beach display. of A whole uh, Toidle Beach? Toidle Beach. A whole Toidle Beach. Hey, I'm rock steady now. <laughs> toidles. Hey, Toidles. Hey, Toidles. Um, so I walk into the GameStop to get Mario, Mario Kart 8 because I got a Wii U refurbished. By the way, the refurbished uh, Wii U I think was new. From looking at it, I opened it up. It had the new system smell. There were no scratches or marks on it. It had, like, well, you know what? They put that, like, thin styrofoam thing that you peel away. It was like, it was new. I think the only thing they changed was the box. The box had a red thing, a red label, red band on top that said that it was refurbished. But I think it was actually either new old stock that or stock that got returned from those hoarding assholes that tr- that sold 30 and tried to sell them that return and store set up, setting back or something. I don't think this was fixed. My buddy John said his came to him in, like, new condition as well. Yeah. The only thing was in really good shape. The only thing it didn't didn't have, not this is an advertisement, but the only thing it didn't have, being that they don't have a deluxe version anymore, it wasn't technically the, the deluxe version in terms of it didn't have like the cradle to hold it in. 
but it had everything else. Like, you know, the, the, there's like Cradle for the Gamepad, I think, that it originally had. Oh, it's just a little piece of plastic. Yeah, it didn't have that, but it had the HDMI cable. It had the sensor bar, which is, I guess, the same as the Wii one. It is. Like, um, and, it had, and it had the two AC adapters to charge the, for the system and to charge the gamepad. That's basically what it had. So I'm going to a GameStop, and I guess this either means that this either means that I'm getting really old, or GameStop is getting obsolete and ir- irrelevant, or maybe a combination of the two. Because I walk in and it just seemed like I don't know the way everything was set up. It, it didn't seem inviting at all. I, I don't I don't want this to be totally bag on GameStop, but it, like they had just the first of all the Wii U section was incredibly small. It was almost literally the size of this of the shelves of games here. I know. <laughs> so they're not pushing Nintendo at all. Maybe because Nintendo doesn't do all these exclusive deals, you know, like 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 Sony and Microsoft does. The 3DS section was off in the corner for some reason, like the left corner, which is really strange, being that the 3DS is so like super hot. It wasn't next to the Wii U section for some reason when when the when the when the the, the Sony handhelds was next to the Sony oh, I was going to ask you if you could even spot the Vita section cuz the last time I was in uh, GameStop it was uh it was like a blue cardboard box that said Vita <laughs> on either side it was, no I'm not kidding it was basically a shoe box that they had stuffed well, Vita games well, in Well there was a big sign a big nice display saying as of September 1st we're not going to accept trade-ins on UMD games anymore PSP UMD games that's over with so I guess that means we're going to stop selling them entirely Good I don't take. We stopped taking them loose. They the, the fucking glue on them dries but, out over time, cracks, and the games fall apart. But this is what was weird to me. I just personally, they had a huge ass wall of all used 360 games. That just caught my eye more than even the PS3 used section. It was large. I don't see them moving a, a good chunk of those. No, I just don't. So this leads me to the point of. Will GameStop be totally out of business in 10 years or 15 years? It's going to happen. It's just, is it going to be a decade or two or in between? Because I just, looking looking at the store, I'm like, is this needed anymore? You can go to any Best Buy, Target, um, any any mall and buy this stuff. You don't need specialized game stores for new games anymore. You don't. Certainly not for new ones. I, I think the other thing you have to keep in mind, though, uh, and this is in no ways defending GameStop, but this is just a problem we have with, with space as well. Um, with things like PS2 and onwards, so PS2, Xbox, uh, and definitely, yes, definitely, definitely Xbox 360, uh, and to a smaller degree PS3, because it did end up doing all right, but it took a long time. Um, these, it's just, games are way more popular now. It was easy for Luna Video Games to take the PS1 section from something big and very quickly over the course of a couple of months work it down to something small so that mm-hmm. we had space for a newer system. But now that PS2 and things like Xbox 360, they sold so well, you just have a far greater volume out there. And everyone's going to sell that shit back when they want a newer system. So what the fuck do we do with all of this stock as soon as people stop buying it? Essentially... For for GameStop, it's how do you clearance it out? Sure. And for people like us, it's how do we get it down to two shelves on a rack so that we can use the rest of the rack for the new stuff? Sure. It, it's a very difficult thing, and I don't envy them in that. I, well, I don't fucking envy GameStop in any way. Um, but uh, they don't have any space in those stores. They don't. I mean, people. It's funny because people will come in like used to walk into like like our Voltaire shop, and now our Voltaire shop is small. And they're like. This is so tiny. But if you compare the square footage to something like the GameStop that used to be on Midway, 
I mean, it was no smaller. It oh. was honestly no smaller in terms of wall space. I mean, these are shoe boxes that they're packing these stores into. Oh, no. Into. Your Luna store in OB was just the same amount of space, if not a little bit, I'd say, bigger comparable to the GameStop. Right. And that was that was a small house, the first one. You know? Like, yeah. that was basically what it was. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what they're going to do, but, yeah, they're going to have a tough time moving that. And, with, and, and, and the companies aren't helping places like that either because people people go there to buy new stuff it's not like people who come to luna who come to enjoy the wide spectrum of games you know where some guy where literally a lot of my sales are someone who's picking up an nes game a ps2 game and an xbox 360 game because they're going all over the place these are people who are only there for the new stuff so it's just it's 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 never gonna it's never gonna move for them at some point that's they're gonna stalemate on it yeah and of course we we talk about Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, my my whole point. Ma? I'm sorry. Um, the companies aren't helping because there's no backwards compatibility anymore. Sure. So these people have already gotten rid of the systems they could play well, this on, anyways. Plus, as we talk about the the next generation, physical media is going to die out. Yeah. So when that happens, what happens to GameStop? They have nothing to sell. Obviously, they, they sell download codes. They so, do. So, so I know. So which is it, ridiculous. I, so, I, so, so if you want to get out off your couch, yeah. you go out and waste the gas that, money to buy one. I didn't tweet it out. I took a picture. I should have tweeted. It was surreal that in the Wii U section they had NES games in DVD cases for four ninety nine, and it was the download code. It was yeah. It was the most ass backwards thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was so okay. Yeah, like you said, you're going to go to a store. First of all, it's a game that you've bought before multiple times yeah. potentially. And for four ninety nine, you're going to pick this off the counter or, or take to the guy and say, "Hey, give me the download code for this game that I could have just went on my Wii U and purchased." And I know the here. I know the idea is that so if if someone wants a gift, you know they it's the last minute and is that, that person, what is a last minute Legend of Zelda code? Yeah, you know someone. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Stocking stuffers, shove it in a card, mail it off, whatever. I get that, but I just don't see that sort of business being enough for them to justify selling a code that I can get on my couch. Sure. So, 15 years, it'll be gone. GameStop, I think. They already closed a bunch of stores. They closed a bunch, and they're converting a bunch into places where you can now buy, sell, and trade your iPhones, tablets, and smartphones. That'll be fun. I didn't see any in this store, but like I said, there was a little Toidal Beach section. Toidal. <laughs> and then they had a, um, like I said, they had the three consoles lined up. They, they, at least they had a Wii U one. They had the PS4, Xbox One. And then they had the kiosk for the Wii U, and the 3DS was off in the corner. like It was like the sad corner for some reason, which they should be banking on the 3DS. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> I know. So, Godspeed, GameStop. I'll see you again in three or four years. <laughs> yeah. About how often I go. Let's talk about... This is just a fun topic that I, I figured, because this is becoming more of a prevalent... People like discussing my hair. People like discussing my beard. People like just discussing our physical appearance. Why? Online. Why is that? Someone someone compared me to a uh, shit online <laughs> earlier. That was a, that a was shit cool. or the shit. A, a shit. Oh, a shit. <laughs> yeah, That's, that was nice. But I, what's the fascination with? Uh, here's the thing about my hair. It used to be very short. When I first moved here, it was very short because it was short in New Jersey. I used to spike it somewhat. I used to let it grow longer, and it had the wacky spike too. It was all nuts. Uh, then I let it grow out about a year and a half ago, like October 2012. I started letting it grow out. And so now it's like a war online between people that saying, they used to make fun of me when my hair was short. Now they make fun of me when my hair is long. But some people like when my hair is long or not short. This is fucking ridiculous we're talking about. I know it's right ridiculous. Now? Why are we talking about, why are we, why are we stooping to that level? 
I just think it's. I just want to get to the psychology of people. Why are people analyzing someone's uh, hair for people that are in online video? Because or, they have fucking nothing better to do with their lives. They don't. No nothing better to do with their lives than sit online and comment on two other people talking in a room and their appearance and their appearance. Is it that simple? It's that simple. They're that lonely. They're that lonely. They just want a hug. They just want a hug. They just want a friend. They just want a friend. They don't have any friends. No friends. Okay. Q and A. Q and A. All right. Mighty Ducks Eight asks, Pat. I've been looking around, but I still haven't found a solid answer on my question. How did you acquire the gold NWC? With lots of cash. All right. <laughs> this is what happened. Uh, the story's online about how I, I got the gray NWC cart. It came into Luna Video Games when these had their location on Voltaire Street in Ocean Beach. I purchased it. I wrote an article about it. The article uh, appeared on my favorite website, Nintendo Age, mm -hmm. where they don't physically threaten me with violence ever on that forum. They never do that. Nope. And then it also appeared on my website. So a guy who was one of the original 26 owners of the gold NWC cart uh, via the contest they had in Nintendo Power... I believe that was late 1990. He, one day at work, Googled himself, his name, his full name, and a forum post came up, like an old forum post from like Usenet. Remember Usenet? Yeah. You know. I still use it for pinball stuff. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Rec.pinball.discussion or whatever. Um, and, and so his name came up saying, well, this is one of the people that had this game that's worth like $10,000, you know, at the time, whenever that post was, probably from like 2006 or seven. Sure. So... He forgot he had it as a kid. He totally forgot. So he goes. He goes to his his mom, and they had moved multiple times, right? Multiple times, um, over the years, state to state. He goes, "Hey, mom, where do we still have my Nintendo and games from when I was kids?" She said, "No, we threw them out." He was like, "Shit!" But the mom looked, and alas, somehow they survived moves over multiple states, and he still had his his games. The gold NWC cart was still there. He later told me he had maybe played it once, said, this is stupid, and threw it in the shoebox, and that was it. Because it's not a full game. So he, he Googled his name. Then he Googled, I guess, NWC cards, and my article came up. And so he emails me saying, hey, I own this cart. How do I sell this? I know it goes for a lot of money. How do I sell this? What do I do with it? So I figured, you know, at the time, I had the gray one. I had no intention of getting a gold one. It, I did not have the spare cash for it. I honestly didn't. I, I barely had the spare cash for the gray one. When I first moved here, I spent money moving here. I had my place redone. The floors rolled in. I didn't have a lot of spare money. I don't like I, don't, I like having a cushion of money. I don't like having living check to check. So I said, okay, you can sell it on eBay. I gave him the rundown. You can deal with assholes, though. People running up your bids that aren't going to pay for it. Blah, 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 blah. You can sell it on uh, forums like Nintendo Age because the people there, they have the money to spend. You'll get attention. You can you can go on uh, video game auction websites and tell them about it for publicity. And this is like a two-week back and forth. I, I, didn't, I, wanted, I didn't want to think he was messing with me, so I actually had he didn't open the game up. He sent me, he sent me, sent me like eight or nine pictures of the carts, and I knew they were original pictures. I had not seen them before, and I could tell, looking at even the dip switches, this was real. Right. This was actually real. So it got to the point where I was like, you know what? What the fuck? Why don't I make an offer on it? What's the worst that can happen? Maybe I can get a deal. So it was about a week back and forth of numbers, and um, we made a deal. We made a deal, and it was literally, literally me, me flying to an airport to meet this individual for three I literally booked my flight for 
like getting there at like one in the afternoon and coming back at like five at night. Meeting the person, giving him a bank check, verifying that it was real, having a nice lunch that he was nice enough to pay for the lunch, which was nice. <laughs> getting the cart, getting back on the plane, coming home, a, a lot of, just say, tons of money less richer less rich yeah poorer poorer i was poor i was a lot poorer after buying this you were more poor i was much more poorer after buying this game so that's the story and because of that i guess i'm insane there's only i think like two or three people that own one of each steve lynn i think maybe one of the collector and myself so there you go there's a story yay you have any questions ian no okay i don't i know I, i knew the story I can keep him in a nice bank vault and visit him whenever I want. I know what I I know <laughs> I know everything about you, um, <laughs> Zach the NES gamer. NES at NES Zach asks when retro games stop when retro games stop work when retro games stop working. Do you think consoles like Retron Five and emulation will be how we retro in the future? Um, I don't think we have a whole lot to worry about right now with uh, cartridge-based games. As a matter of fact, we touched on game preservation during one of our panels at MAGFest, and we covered this sure. topic pretty pretty intensively. Um, I think there's a lot more that needs to be worried about, actually, with modern games, um, especially ones that came before the digital download era. I think uh, what we need to be more concerned about is having copies of PlayStation 1 games that are archived, uh, rarities on the Saturn, and that sort of thing. And make sure the ROMs are available somewhere you can reburn at some point. Right. We have ROMs. I mean, we have backups of all this, the, the, the cartridge-based stuff. Um, the systems... Um, the, the systems aren't going to... Cause, okay, this, I'm reading into this a little bit different. There was two questions that were similar. Um... The systems aren't going to really just break down and stop working. No. And Nintendo is almost infinitely repairable. You know, we're not going to find yeah. ourselves suddenly in a in a Mad Max style wasteland where yeah. where Nintendos are trading for currency. I mean, they're, they're they're solidly built. Look at it this way: you look at look at this is a system that's almost thirty years old. In Nintendo, what percentage percentage that you come across are either not repairable or don't function? It's less than like one percent that you can't repair. I, fi- I find that I can repair. More than nine out of ten, I would I would call it ninety five percent of them are truly repairable. I've only come across a few in my day that were troublesome. Yeah, I've come across. Yeah, I mean, I, I do it in a much larger fashion, but but, but it's still, well, it's well over ninety. It's, it's less than ten a year, yeah. and I do. I probably you're right. I probably do hundreds of these a yeah. year. So so that said, thinking about the percentage of maybe PS ones that don't work, and more than often not they work. And this is like PlayStation's twenty years later. Right, but, but but as we said in the past, any, anything that has an optical drive is more likely to break. Yeah, obviously, but that doesn't mean that they're all going to break. Even over a hundred years, if you don't beat the hell out of your system, it should work in theory. Right, but now, so here's the thing. I mean, it's this is not a bad question. It's just I I, I need to flip this one on the head. Sure. It's not the retro stuff. It's the 360 was a horribly built system, and even though the slimline was built better, those are going to break down. Sure. PS3s break down over time. These are things that are larger files that are more locked down. These are games that in 15, 20 years' time, you're going to want to worry about making sure you have. All of the games that were released as digital-only titles on the Xbox 360 and the PS3, they th- these great games. Now, sure, someone can probably crack these and send you a hard drive with the games, but it's going to be a lot different than it is now. Red Retro titles, we don't. I don't really think we have a ton to be concerned about. I just. I don't think it's yeah, gonna be an issue. It's gonna be those rare, rare CD games that haven't been backed up to a ROM. Right. The Retro Five is gonna break yeah. before your Nintendo. That, I was breaks. gonna say that. 
Nintendo had huge manufacturing plants to put these out. They, I mean, again, think about how many of those actually broke. People are already saying the Retron 5s are breaking or they sent them back. One, right. one of our eight that we got shipped into our store when we got our order didn't work. Wouldn't, didn't work. Wouldn't even turn on. So worry about your cheaper uh, Hyperkin systems. Yeah. And what's the other company that put them out? Retrobit puts them out. Uh, Yobo, Yobo, Hyperkin, Retrobit. W- worry about those versus the old consoles. Yeah. By and large. Chris Sopsich? Sopich. Pixel Sickle. Me! What are some of your favorite indie comic series? Do you enjoy those over mainstream titles from Marvel or DC? Um, it's tough. It really depends, I guess, on kind of what your idea of an indie comic is. There was a lot that I read back in the day uh, from, like, Top Shelf Press and stuff like that. Hutch Owen, uh, My Own Little Empire. I read a lot of Slave Labor graphics. Uh, Bear is one of my favorite. Um, uh, you can call that an independent title. Bear off of Slave Labor was fantastic. Um, I've been getting into the Courtney Crumrin series lately, which has been around for ages. Um, I really like Mouse Guard. That's Archaea. I'd feel safe calling that indie. And, um, you know, there's some Image Press books, and that's... Image isn't small. As a matter of fact, they have a huge booth at Con, but they're still not one of the big two. Um, so I do love a lot of indie comics, and I've, I've given you some. You know, I'd love to sit down and have a drink with you and talk more. Do I enjoy them over mainstream titles from Marvel or DC? N- yes and no. It totally depends on what I'm in in the mood for that day. Uh, my current favorite book in print right now is Hawkeye from Marvel. It's freaking fantastic. Um, so no, I mean, I, I don't like indie comics more than the big two just because they're indie comics. I like them because they're good. Um, and Marvel and DC, I like what they do. That's, that, that's decent. That said, DC hasn't done a whole lot to impress me lately, although the early New 52 Aquaman stuff was really excellent. So, yeah. Okay. Kenny O. Kenny O78. Do you feel that the rise of Let's Plays has stifled creativity with retro game reviewers? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look at this from another direction. Has it made reviewers complacent, not stifle their creativity? Sure. Okay. Because here's the thing about a Let's Play. And I, I've kid people that before about not liking Let's Plays. There, there are good Let's Players. There are ones that actually know how to play games. That actually might, might be insightful or might actually be funny. I have yet to find them. I have yet to but, try. <laughs> but the, here's the thing. Creating a Let's Play video is the easiest thing to do. It's literally playing a video game and talking over it. It doesn't require a lot of editing. Is there editing involved? Sure. Or there can but be. it's not five, even 5% as intensive of actually editing a video game review, finding the footage of where the guy hits the frog with the hammer putting that in and, and putting it in the proper order and writing a, uh, an actual review script and commenting. Or like me, writing a stupid script that doesn't have anything to do with the video game. So I think what happens are some people get complacent because of that. Now, there's some people that that's all they do. And that's fine. If you're going to do that, that's fine. But if you're talking about people that do reviews and are good at it and then, then just start doing Let's Plays, then, like I said, they become complacent because it's a lot easier to put out that content. Right. They've already got... <sighs> Some of these people who, who do them, um, this is not something, but it's just, they already have the fan base. So once they have the fan base and they know they can put out basically anything, if they can do a competent Let's Play, they're going to go the low road as opposed to the high road. Sure. Now, that's not to say that you can't do both. Because I think when people confuse, like, there's some people that don't like this podcast, it's like, why don't you do more reviews? It's like, I wouldn't be doing the reviews more often if I wasn't doing this. Because it's an entirely different process versus the podcast. They don't understand that. Right. That it's separate. 
It's yeah. not like I can put all the energy into doing a review a week. It doesn't work that way. Versus not do, if I did, wasn't doing right. the podcast. You doing the podcast now is not taking away from you doing no. a review. No, I'm, I'm putting out more content than I ever had before. Right. It's, it's having basically three shows. Flea Market Man is Pat the Indian's Punk in the podcast and maybe ask for other stuff on the side. The point is this, though, is that if I put out a Let's Play, which I've thought about in some capacity, and between me and you I have, and the audience, I have shot a little bit of something. And hell, we do a Let's Play every year. It's called the NES Marathon. Sure. Technically, that's more like a performance, I would think, than a Let's Play. <laughs> performance. It's, it's performance art. <laughs> yeah. It is. It really is. My live um, read's a performance. I'm decent at the live reads, too. No. But I, 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 I got to put the marathon moments. Either way, they're, they're not evil, but yes, I think people do get complacent. All right. Um, this is from... Do you want to continue reading them all, Ian? No, why not? Zach Harris. Zach Tech, 1984. Why is there so much more negativity and bickering in game collecting, specifically for Nintendo systems than most other hobbies? There's a lot of money at stake, more so than in other... No. No? No. no. I... My answer to the question is, whatever hobby you're the most into is going to be the one that seems like it has the most drama in it because you're the most involved in it. You think pinball doesn't have a lot of money at stake? That's you true. think records don't have a lot of money at stake? They do, and if you follow those sorts of collector circles as well, it's the exact same negativity and bickering that I see with video games. I think it really just is a matter of... Where you're your at? perspective. Have you honestly seen the same amount with comic book collecting? No, actually, I, comic book collecting is interesting in that the people who are out in the open collecting, the sociable collectors, mm-hmm. right? Not the ones who are, you know, hiding in the, you know, the stereotype, the, the hiding in the basement, yes. you know. Um, no, actually, outward going comic book collectors are some of the nicest, most laid back people I've met. So that's different. See? Uh, that is different, but. Here's why, I, I, can, I can still pick two Here's other... Why. why? A good chunk, I'd say the majority of comic book collectors actually read their comics. They do. They absolutely the, the, do. The vast majority, I would say, it's hard to pinpoint percentage, at least the new age video game collector don't play their games. So they don't want to share, they don't know anything about the games they're buying. So when I see Comic-Con, people talk to Frank and everything, they actually share like what like the people they like or the, the heroes they like and the storylines they like. And say, oh, you should check out this or look at this. Yeah, it's really... It's more, it's more communal, I think, than video game That's collecting. what I'm saying. Like Video what? game coll- collecting... Video game collecting is a little colder because you can pick up, for example, let's just pick Destiny of an Emperor. It's hard for me... It's hard for me to share with that's, another video game collector. That's the wrong game to pick. This is the point, though. I pick up Destiny of an Emperor... Uh, just by looking at it, you can't flip through a video game. Look at me! I was looking for Danny Sullivan. I don't know why you would look for Danny Sullivan. That's nothing to do with this. But <laughs> Destiny of an Emperor. You, if I'm if I'm with someone at, at a, a video game convention, right? I can't say, "Hey, check this out. This is why it's cool." I can't do that. Right. You can't tell what it is by looking at it. You can't open up the flip through it. You can't explain it. It's less personable than a comic book where you say, hey, take a look at this. You can actually look at the cover, you look at the art. You can actually, if you want, open it up and look at it and see what the story is. Check out the splash. Check yes. out this three-page sequence this, where like Wolverine and Spider-Man have this interesting conversation. Right. You collecting can't... video games is a much colder experience, I would say, than even, even baseball cards, I would say. Even yeah. Pogs. You know, because again, <laughs> what, the, what the entity is, you cannot discover unless you go to a TV and... and, and video game system and play it and many video games are, are, are naturally solitary um experiences where i think yes. a comic book or a story especially something ongoing 
uh, I'll compare it to wrestling or a soap opera, is something that you want to read the latest installment of and go talk to someone about. So, yeah, I mean, but I, so comic books, and I, even when I read this question earlier, I did want to bring up the fact that I find comic book collectors to be uh, a little less negative and a little more jovial. Um, but I can still point to a number of other uh, circles that are just as bad as oh, I'm sure games. that I'm sure just as bad. bad. I'm sure toy toy collectors are, are nuts. Toy collectors can be nuts, and like I said, I know personally that pinball and record collectors can be just as negative and just as like sour. So um, I don't know. I mean, dude, just hang in there and try to enjoy it, and don't worry about those assholes. You know, be in it for yourself, have fun. But it's it's not just it's not just video games. Sure. What, uh, Roger. <laughs> Roger, hey, you want the responsibility? You Roger, gotta, you know. at at Raj O twenty nine. What do you guys think about cosplay at conventions? I'll let you answer one first because I keep answering them first. You tend to do that with these. Um, I think it's fun. Why not? People are having a good time. They're they're expressing themselves. They can they can. It's like it's play acting basically. Yeah. I don't want to get into the psychology too much, but it's a chance to. Be a superhero for the weekend, or be whatever character from Mortal Kombat, or a hot anime chick that I just want to stare at. You know, I don't. Whatever. That's that's what cosplay is. You know. You slobbering pig. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, my thing about cosplay, I, I think it's great. I I love seeing a really well done costume. I love seeing a character that gets really into their character, like who can. Um, I went to a Legend of Korra party at Comic Con. Um, my friends guest listed me for it. Didn't know that they were throwing it. It was for the Activision game that's coming out. And there was a girl there, and she, she wasn't working there. She was just, just a, con, a con attendee, and she was dressed as Korra. And she it, it was a great costume. And I don't know anything about the character, but like she had all the poses and moves and everything down, and she was like the darling of the, of the show. Um, at, at the actual convention, my only problem with cosplaying is uh, newer cosplayers seem to not get the etiquette of it. Look, if it's Saturday, and you're in the media section of Comic-Con, and someone wants a picture with you, you either have to politely decline, or you have to ask them to walk with you someplace that is less crowded, because that's when cosplayers piss me off, and it's just as much the photographer's fault as it is the cosplayer, but a younger cosplayer who wants to get pictures taken and get like some shots out there will stop in the middle of a throng of traffic for a picture. And it's like, no, this is this is yeah. the wrong way to do it. My friend Sean and I were talking last night. It would be really cool. And maybe other cons have done it, but like, it's not that you can't do that on the show floor. Do it. But also, I don't know, maybe take the board game room that's half empty during con, have it off, put some backdrops up on the wall, and have a cosplay room where you can go and like take pictures with various oh. cosplayers and stuff like that. You know, help alleviate some of the traffic issues. I saw I saw something fun at Comic Con, where it was it was a girl. She was attractive, which is fine. This makes me a slobbering pig for saying girls attractive. No, I just don't. You have. I mean, you you, you have to rate women every time you mention them. No, I don't. <laughs> most yes. Most this is the point: is that she was cosplaying, and a guy was trying to get her picture, and she was like insulted by it. She's like, "Oh, can't you, can't you see that I'm walking here?" Here's the thing: you you know you're gonna get attention when you're cosplaying. You know you are. So uh, taking pictures is part of the deal, I think. I think you sign up for it. If you're going to yeah, be in a costume, maybe, you're signing up for it. Maybe she had to piss. Maybe she was late for a lunch date. Maybe no. maybe there was traffic. I, 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 this is getting out to her. I heard it's like 20 feet away. She was like visibly upset at it. It was just funny because it was like Sunday. Maybe maybe she had gone through it a thousand times before. So, 
Anyways, no, I mean, I love cosplay conventions. I love seeing all the different costumes. And, uh, I mean, it's it wouldn't be a con without some cool cosplay. I saw some really good ones this year. One of my favorites, and I did post it online, was uh, there was someone who dressed as Blathers from Animal Crossing, uh, the owl that wears Argyle that runs the museum. And uh, she was fantastic as him, and I got my picture taken. It made me so happy. All right. Actually, did I get any cosplay pictures this year? No, usually there's there's some really good ones. There was a guy that did a uh, uh, Luke Cage uh, Power Man last year, and he was attractive. So just so you don't think I'm sexist here, so he was attractive too, and uh, he was with um, I think it was his girlfriend, like Hawk Girl, which you don't see too often as a cosplay. They are good. She wasn't attractive though. I'm not just to make sure. Did you lick his abs? <laughs> his biceps were huge. Nice. Actually, nice. speaking of that, real quick. There was no announcement about the, the Netflix Marvel series at Comic Con. I don't think I, I didn't hear anything about them. Uh, honestly, I didn't even check out. I what guess was talked about at the Marvel panel, so I don't know. That wasn't though. They announced Guardians of the Galaxy too, so I'm guessing it's still a full year away. I'm guessing it's going to be next summer. I guess they haven't even put them in production yet. Yeah, I mean, I know that when they were announced, they did say it was a, a ways away. Okay, that's fine. Jan Yablonski. All right, John. That's at dear someone. How do you do, John? Uh. Pat and Ian, are there any arcade games you loved that never got ported to a home console? Alien versus fucking Predator. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about this in some capacity before. A lot of those uh, beat-em-ups, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Simpsons, Alien versus Predator, uh, Spider-Man the arcade game by Sega, were never ported over. I just feel like the systems of the time probably couldn't handle them, so it was one of those things where they... Eh. Well, well, Super Nintendo could no, a little bit. No. Genesis, Genesis had the Punisher uh, beat-em-up. Yeah, but dude, we're talking CPS2 for most of these. Look at the Super Nintendo's port of Street Fighter Alpha 2 and tell me that that system should have been running any of those beat-em-ups. But what about Knights of the Round? That was a decent port, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure that was CPS1. The whole... Whatever, it was close. But I think they could have gave it a shot. But what about... Even on the PlayStation, it never came out. Maybe they lost the licenses. Well, that's what I'm saying. At that point, too much time has preceded or has gone on, so yeah. they've lost licenses, or they just don't think at that point. I mean, so many. I mean, I, I remember reading magazines at that point where like X Men was never ported again. Literally, two D is not viable. This company will not do this. You know, so I mean, I just don't think they ever found the right time to release them. Sure. Um, Simpsons got ended up getting a digital. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons games ended up getting digitals. Uh, AVP still has never received a digital. Isn't that insane? Or, yeah, I mean that's one and of my favorite arguably, games of all time. Arguably the best beat 'em up. It's yeah. definitely in the top five. Easily the top five. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I would I would say it's my favorite, but I if I really sat down, it might be number two. It's the deepest, probably. It's really deep. A lot of Street Fighter type motions. Each guy uh, has like ten attacks. Yeah, it's, that you can do. It's good, and it's Combos. long as shit. It's very long. It's almost too long for a beat. Yeah, honestly, it's a bit too long for an arcade beat 'em up, but it would have made a great home game. And the whole dynamic with with the fact that you you can shoot and you have to use that a lot, but it's a playoff because you have to recharge your your, your projectile attack. And stuff yes, like that. that's very intelligent. There's a lot of guys in the screen. Sometimes there's like tw- there's like twenty characters on the screen at one time. I used to like using uh, Lynn Karasawa because I liked her pistol because it needed it, the, cool. it needed the least amount of uh, recharge, if any. I like that it is Arnold's character. It is Dutch. I do like that. Yep, yep. Dutch with a cyborg arm. That's uh-huh. like the funniest thing. That like that should have been the next. If they make a Predator three, that should be that should be him. <laughs> he, he would do it. He's doing everything now. He's doing King Conan anyway. 
We did talk about, um, this was something me, you and I have discussed for a while. Maybe, some people are against it, some aren't. I, it's not a discussion for that, but just what we'd like to see if we did a Patreon for the podcast. Yeah, please please get back to us on this. Uh, we did mean, I guess, now is the best time to talk about it. But we are considering doing a Patreon. Uh, this is uh, more work for Pat. Um, it's, something, it? it's something that I have to do. And we like doing it. And we would... Not necessarily, I don't know that we could do it more right now, but if if you were to support us, what would you like to see in return? Uh, endorsements? Would you like us to answer your question specifically? Sponsorships. What, sponsorships? I mean, what is there? Uh, me dancing? I mean, I, we, can, I, we can make buttons. I mean, what, what would you like to see? Um, is it something that you would even be interested in? Because this is something we've been very much thinking about, and I think we will be taking the chance on launching it in the very, very, very near future. Yeah, just get off the ground, see what happens. Obviously, if, if you want to support it, you can. If not, here's the thing. Uh, now, I know we, we cut this up for YouTube. Uh, sponsorships in general, the way they typically work on podcasts is you get like audible.com or you get big enough that you get direct sponsorship. Like Sherry's Berries is one that's always you hear in podcasts. Yeah. We, we don't have that fan base, first of all, for that, which I don't think. And now we're kind of in this weird spot that I think podcasts in general, the people that listen to podcasts the way you should with MP3s on iTunes, it skews a little bit older. YouTube is a younger audience. So what can we do to sort of satisfy, I guess, that audience? Versus the older, or maybe both. I don't know. We're just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely let us know, you know, whether it's through Twitter or the comments section if this gets put up. But, uh, you know, please give us some feedback on this and whether or not it's something, you know, anyone would be interested in. And and, and do this, too. If you're against it, let us know and let us know why or, or, or what. You know, I, I, we would really like feedback from all angles. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to say, well, you're e-begging. That's going to be the negativity about it. Yes, that's We're what e-begging? E-begging. They call it e-begging. Oh, well, they can fillet me at that point. <laughs> I mean, they can e-fillet you? They can e-fillet me at that point. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad about making a little bit of money off of something like this. Uh, so, blow me. But I, I don't... I mean, I'm just saying, like, constructive criticism is always welcome. Yes, yeah, so you, you want to see Ian's happy handholds? That could be a Patreon. Oh, my level. God. Yes! That's what we need! That's what it is. There it is. There's a certain amount where Ian will be Ian's happy handhelds. <laughs> We found it. It has to be able to cover the weird Casio handhelds that I want. I have them all. I have most of them. No, you don't. Oh, ones from the early 80s? The weird ones? You don't have any of the stuff that I want to cover. I have like 70 handheld games. Do you have have a couple of the Epoch ones? Do you have water polo? Water polo. You're going to name weird ass. I got you Tandy Golf, and that's what you're going to start with. Tandy Golf is where it starts. Yes. Tandy Golf might also be where it ends. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ladies, gentlemen, that was a very economical. See you podcast under an hour and a half. About an hour and twenty eight minutes. I don't know how we did that. We we, were not that interesting this week, probably. Uh, Well, we're also very sweaty and warm, and I think we just kind of (laughs) want to go someplace that's cooler. Let's jump jump in the pool. Can we just jump in the pool? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yes. Should that be? Should we have a pool party? Should that be a Patreon? Yeah, yeah, a a pool pool party. party. We'll invite people out. (laughs) All right. The guy did the potato salad Indiegogo. We can do a a pool party one. (laughs) All right. So this was fun. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a new Pat the Indian's Punk video sometime in August. 
Maybe a new flea market madness. I gotta shoot all new Ask Frank questions for the first time, like, in two and a half years. That'll be fun, I'm sure. Actually, Frank enjoys doing that, because he isn't, like, moving around or having to think or act, so that's, that's fine. That's why I like this. That's why you like this? I don't have to think uh, or well, act. You'll come back for an NES Punk episode. No, ha I won't. Ian's Happy Handhelds. <laughs> we'll go across... Co collab! Crossover, Ian's Happy Handhelds and NES Punk. <laughs> Ooh, the bile. Mm. <laughs> All right. You deal with that. All right. <laughs> For Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Confrey. We'll see you in two weeks. Take care of yourselves, everybody. Try not to physically threaten me again this week. Bye. Bye. Oh, I can be physically threatened, but you can't Yes, be? that's exactly right. <laughs>